We go to school because that's what everybody does. And we get married because that's what everybody does. We buy a house. All these things we do, and we do them because that's the known path. But do we really know ourselves and are we doing and achieving these goals for the right reasons? Do they really fit who we are? Welcome back to the new episode on the Transformative Purpose podcast. Today, I'm very excited because I'll be joined with an author. She recently published a new book and it's called Dirty Goals. And she's a very well accomplished woman and I can't wait to speak to her about why she wrote this book. Obviously, I'm going to be asking her, you know, about more about Dirty Goals. What is it and how can it help us find fulfillment and happiness in life? Her name is Aline Metling. Welcome to the show. How are you today? Thank you so much for having me, Aaron. I'm happy to be here. Can you tell us a bit more about yourself? We've never met, so I'm keen to learn more about you. You know, last time we chat, I learned that you had four destinations under your belt. Uh, you know, who are you? What's going up like? Yeah, I um, am a Minnesota native and now living in Colorado, found my way uh, here through Texas and um, Hawaii and loving living in Colorado, but I am a uh, dog mom to two Boston Terriers, a girlfriend of 11 years. I am a corporate professional, as well as now the author of Dirty Goals, Breaking Conventional Rules to Achieve Your Dreams. What's your profession? My profession, I uh, support FDA trials, medical devices going through FDA trials. Right, okay. So what, what prompted you to write this book? I started a morning routine. Many people know it by Hal Elrod. It's the morning miracle. And I was on my first full week of doing the miracle morning and I started to do visualization or I tried to do visualization. I still haven't quite conquered it, but when I was looking up how to visualize, because it's more than just imagining yourself, right? There's more to it. And so I tried to look up guidance on the internet about how to visualize. And there's really not much guidance. It tells you to imagine yourself when you achieve your goals. And as I started thinking about it, I'm like, man, I really don't have any personal goals. All of my goals have to do with work. And I just really hoped that I was more dynamic than just my job. Mm -hmm. And so that morning I decided that I was going to figure out how to determine what my goals were, because then again, um, trying to figure out my goals, I went to the internet to say, how do I know what my personal goals are? And there's really not much guidance there. So I decided I was going to figure it out. I grabbed my dogs and took them for a walk and figured it out on my walk and got home and started writing a book immediately. And it took me about five months and uh, to publish my book and Amazing. I had never, yeah, I'd never published a book before. I didn't even really know what I was doing. So it's, it was a lot of fun. What was missing in your life you felt, which kind of made you down to this path? And how is personal goal um, different to other goals, like career goals or expectation goals that you mentioned in your book? Yeah, so what was missing? I didn't even really realize anything was missing. I was just going to work and coming home and doing my thing. And you realize that uh, through this journey, I guess I've really realized that I wasn't doing anything 
to fulfill me and who I didn't even really know I was, to be honest. I think that we just get in this routine and we forget to pay attention to what it is we really need. And, you know, before I had achieved goals, like I just got my master's last year and it was, yeah, a goal that it kind of everybody does, right? Everybody goes and gets their master's or gets a bachelor's or if you want to achieve something, that's just something someone does. And I just realized that even though it felt good to get my master's degree, it really wasn't fulfilling the way that finding goals that are relevant to you and achieving those goals is. I, I thought it was quite interesting. You mentioned in your book that we often make, you know, goals and targets based on the different life stages that we're in, uh, getting a master's degree, like you said, and, you know, someone getting married, having kids. It's quite interesting that you brought that up. Yeah. So it's really kind of an unfortunate thing of life because we set goals that, that we're supposed to set, right? We go to school because that's what everybody does. And we get married because that's what everybody does. We buy a house. We, all these things we do and we do them because that's the known path. Mm -hmm. But do we really know ourselves and are we doing and achieving these goals for the right reasons? Do they really fit who we are? So what does fulfillment look like to you? You know, I really didn't know until recently, um, until I started this journey. And it's really amazing. I just really dug deep and I found out who I was. And I found out that setting these goals, I never thought I'd write a book. I never even really wanted to. But as you start to figure out who you are, and as you develop these new goals, it's really, you've realized there are no limits. You can really achieve anything that you set your mind to. And why limit yourself to the expectation goals and the life path goals that everybody sets? There is so much more out there to be achieved. So why not go for it? It's ex extremely fun. Like a number of points that you mentioned, right? Uh, this societal, this whole societal conditioning—you know, living someone else's life mm -hmm. instead of setting, living your life—and trying to go through life through different norms and just listening to people, their expectations. You know, one of the worst questions. I recently read a book from Adam Grant on Think Again. So, one of the worst questions that adults can ask to children is, "What do you want to be uh, when you when you grow up?" Right? Because by asking mm -hmm. these questions, we're actually closing their paths. We're actually limiting uh, their possibilities and what they wanted to achieve in life. Do you agree with that? I do. You know, it's good to have kids imagine and think about things like that. But the reality is that we have no idea what careers are out there. And when you focus on one thing and you focus on the normal path, like how many kids say an, a nurse is an amazing career with an abundance of opportunities, but people generally say, a lot of kids say, oh, I want to be a nurse or I want to be a cop or I want to be a firefighter. But all of these things, if you look at them as just a stepping stone, there are so many opportunities out there that you don't even realize exist. 
And so I just really hope that people don't limit themselves and that they look for opportunities that expand beyond these basic careers. So I, I'm also curious to learn from you, right? When you when you started sharing your new book with your friends and families, were they surprised? Did they think that you had life figured out because you've been working for corporate and you're so successful in your career for so many years and now you started to come up to say, oh, look, uh, I've been really successful in this aspect, but what I'm missing is you know, personal goals. So what was their reaction and uh, how, was, how was your journey? You know, it's funny, I speak about this in the book. They're reading the book because they love me, right? And they wanna support me. Yeah. But it's really hard because if a book isn't relevant to you, it's really hard to focus on it. It's really hard to pay attention. I just firmly believe that when you are supposed to read a book, it will come to you. Um, a great book that I have actually listened to three times is by Craig Beck. Uh, the uh, I forget the title of it. I'm sorry. It's so good, though. <laughs> but um, he says in there, don't go tell anybody about my book, even though I have told multiple people about it because it's awesome. Um, the Secret Law of Attraction, I think is mm -hmm. what it's called. Mm -hmm. But he talks about people will find the book when they need it. If you tell somebody to read the book and you tell them it's awesome, they just don't get the value out of it. Mm -hmm. Really, people need to read a book when they, when it's relevant to them. And honestly, like my mother, bless her soul, she's like, I just can't focus. Well, she's 70 years old and she's really not you know, focused on setting personal goals at this point in her life right now. And that's fine. Um, but there is a group of people that it is relevant to right now. Hmm. Can you share with us what is your personal goal? Oh my gosh, I have so many right now. And I know that you're not supposed to have too many, but the, the deal is that you get, I just, this was my post today, is you expect, you wait to get the motivation to start working toward your goals, but that's not the way it works. Once you start working toward your goals and you take action, all of a sudden you get all this motivation and you have all this information coming to you. So right now I am currently marketing my first book, which is Dirty Goals. I am working on a second book. And then I am also working on courses to go along with these books. One of the problems with personal development books, they're awesome. I've read so many and I've taken little bits from here and there and I just love growing as a human. But I feel like if there's, if you have a course to go with your book and somebody who really wants to dive deep and figure it out and they just need a little bit of help to get there, these courses will be able to help them um, in their journey as well. Yeah, you really gotta speak and act to manifest, right? Just reading a book, and learning on a concept is not going to help you. You really got to put in the work and the efforts and put it in practice. That sounds like what you're Absolutely. saying. Absolutely. So true. Yeah. Why, why dirty? Why'd you call it dirty? So one morning I was working out. Me and my sister have been doing 21 Day Fix and Fix Extreme for years. And I was doing the workout called the Dirty 30. And I just was thinking about why is it called the Dirty 30? And it has to do with, you know, you work multiple muscle groups to make it more efficient and more effective. And I started thinking about it. I'm like, 
you know, I'm breaking the rules of goals and I'm trying to make them more effective for setting personal goals. And I guess my method is kind of dirty too. So <laughs> that's where I came up with the title of the book. <laughs> I, I like one of the chapters where you make comparison about, you know, smart goals. You know, all of us who've worked in corporates, we've heard of, you know, the concept smart, right? You've also, you know, made your narrative about the limitations of setting smart goals and applying smart uh, onto our personal goal. Can you talk a little bit about that? You know, what is the limitation of uh, smart and how yours differs from the traditional smart goal setting? Absolutely. So smart goals are really great for corporate or for any kind of work goal where you need to get your group on a, or your team on a track, right? And everybody needs to understand where you're going and how you're going to get there and when you're going to get there. With personal goals, it just doesn't work. It works if you want to say get in shape or you want to start to eat better or lose 10 pounds. There's all this guidance out there and we all kind of know, right? Everybody kind of knows that a pound a week is, is what the gurus tell you is realistic, right? But when I set out to write this book, if I would have tried to apply the SMART method to my personal goal, I have no idea how long it takes to write a book, what even was entailed for publishing a book, right? Before you publish, you've got to format, you got to edit, you have to get a book cover made. You have all of these steps you have to take. And I had no clue what the steps even were. So, but I wasn't going to not write my book because I didn't know any of that. So if I set a timeline, I would have felt like I failed to meet my goal. And that's not the way you get motivated to set and achieve goals, right? So I decided that I was going to set goals on a daily basis. All I wanted to do was make sure that I met 30 minutes a day to work toward my goal. A totally doable thing for pretty much everybody, you can find 20, 30 minutes while you're sitting on the bench watching your kids at sports or Reaching while you're Netflix. sitting. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's like anywhere you can find 30 minutes in a day. And so I decided that that was going to be my goal. And I would meet that goal every day. If I didn't meet it, I was going to double up on the next day. And I could find an hour in a day, especially on the weekend, right? So my goals were not involving the entire process. It was just an expectation that I set for myself that I knew that I could meet. And that made the goal and achieving the daily goal motivating for me. So what are you saying is rather than thinking goals as binary, whether you make it or you fail, we should really have goals that are progressive and showing us that we are making some sort of progress. Absolutely. I had, when I started writing the book, like I said, no idea where I'm going. And as I started growing through that process, then you start realizing, oh, well, there are all these other things I can do. And you keep progressing in your goal, but it goes in a different direction. And if you set a SMART goal, you kind of feel like you have a path, a beginning and an end. And 
I didn't want it to be a straight path. I wanted to deviate and find ways to make it better and find ways to grow outside of that. And that's really what I've done with this process. And it's been really exciting and really fun. And I feel like it invites additional opportunities and it invites your goals to be better than you ever imagined, where setting a SMART goal, I feel like just puts you on a direct path that maybe limits you. So mm. it just made my goals turn into something even more amazing. So <laughs> you want to talk yeah. a little bit about the the process? I, I I read, you know, most of the chapters you sent through, you mentioned there's a three-step framework and it's also the tap uh, process to discover, uh, you know, someone's personal goals. You want to talk a little bit about mm -hmm. that? Yeah. So really what I found is your goals are in your head. But the problem is that we think of goals in terms of what we know and what everybody is doing. And so that was the process that I used when I figured out how I was going to write this book on the walk with my dogs, right? I just started walking and I had these thoughts that I had had previously, but I never really paid them any attention. And as I'm walking and I'm having these thoughts, I thought, oh my God, I have so many thoughts. I'm just going to pull out my phone and start to write them down. And it was amazing that the same exact thought that occurred over and over and over again over the past however many years, the second I got that thought down on paper, it started to grow. Mm -hmm. And so just the simple act of documenting, writing, or typing, or dictating your thoughts out on paper, really that simple action helps your thoughts to grow into ideas, and your ideas then grow into goals, and your goals grow into be bigger goals when you continue this process. And it's amazing how you get kind of lazy about it. it. It's amazing how a little action like writing sometimes takes some effort, but I promise you, if you take the time to do it, it is so worth it because the things that come from documenting your thoughts and letting your thoughts grow just makes your life so much more amazing. That you also quoted a number of studies where uh, there's a number of research which have shown that on average we have about. 7,200 to up to 70,000 70, thoughts every single day, right? And most of them, up to 80% are actually negative thoughts. So with what you just said, are we are you suggesting we only document the good thoughts, the positive thoughts, or we actually do both? It's funny you bring up negative thoughts because that's what my second book is about. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, really in the book, I talk about uh, um, writing out, if you have these negative thoughts, writing those out on paper actually get them out of your head and allow you to move on because you do rethink the same negative thoughts over and over and it's not good for you and it's amazing how i went to the vet and i had i was so mad because i just had i had this amazing vet for my dogs that i loved and i had a really negative interaction with them and I was so disappointed and I kept going over and over in my head. And I thought, Elaine, you wrote about this. <laughs> so I sat down and I typed out the letter. And as I'm typing it out, I was angry and 
I thought, I'm going to send this letter. And I got done writing it. And you feel so much better. Like, I didn't even need to send it because I got it out on paper. And I'm like, well, that's dumb. Just throw it away, you know? So, yes, writing your negative thoughts is super important just to get them off your chest. But writing your thoughts about ideas really just helps them to grow where writing your thoughts about negative things helps to get them off your chest and off your mind so you can move on. Yeah. Would you also say that in addition to writing these negative thoughts out, it's also important to revisit, you know, some of our underlying assumptions and biases which come along with these negative thoughts? Absolutely. I think it's so important that we address our negative thoughts, you try to push them away. And until you try to address them and take action to get rid of your negative thoughts, um, you'll never completely be free of them. It is a continual process. But if you work on it every day and you find tools, there are so many books out there, so many tools out there that are so helpful to get your mind in a better place. And I promise you, it is worth it to take the time, stop watching TV, which causes your mental, right? Your <laughs> thoughts to go negative because a lot of the stuff we watch is yeah. negative, right? Yeah. So you watch this stuff, you become negative, you get off, you know, whatever social media platform you're on and you feel negative. Politics, you feel negative. Mm -hmm. Find a way to get it all just let it go because it does nothing to serve you. I kid you not, I've stopped watching politics for about a year and a half now. Oh, and mentally, I had to quit too. Yeah, and mentally, it's, yeah, it's maybe so much better. Oh, I couldn't agree more. It just like somebody starts talking politics and sometimes you can't walk away. But most of the time, I try to just either walk away or change the subject because nothing co good comes out of those conversations. Yeah, my, my, my personal philosophy is if we're unhappy about something, either you be that change or you just stop whining, you know? Absolutely, you can spend I love the amount that. Of time, yeah, if you, you, can, you can spend the amount of time whining doing something for the world, I think that's much better for, uh, for human race. I agree. If, if the things that we said lifted people up and supported things that we like. Even, you know, I catch myself doing things like this. Like someone will say, oh my gosh, I love that pizza. And people are like, oh God, I think it's so disgusting. Who even needs to hear that, right? It's like, somebody likes it, let them like it. Yeah. You know, it's the simplest things that you think don't matter, they do matter. So just anything negative, it's work. And you've got to pay attention. And when you catch yourself in the moment, you just got to drop it and move on. And someday it will become a habit to just not talk like that at all. Yeah. Do you have any tips for our listeners who might be stuck, you know, in their life, who might be stuck in the, this negative picture cycle? How do you break out of it? Other than just wearing these negative thoughts down, what are some of the, you know, your secret weapons or secret tools in your toolbox that you use on a daily basis? Well. I have this tool that will probably make a lot of people think I'm crazy, but one thing that has been incredibly amazing in my life, I've been using them for five years now, and I can't say enough about switch words. It's 
a when you get um, like the politics thing, right? If people are talking about it or if I have a scenario going through in my head, I just continually say purge, cancel, get rid of it. And if it keeps coming back, I keep saying it. It has truly, there are so many switch words you can use for so many different things. There's a book out there by Liz Dean, um, switch words, the power. I'm so bad about names. Um, <laughs> how to we'll use one word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how to use one word to uh, get what you want. And it is truly, it has truly been amazing for me. Thank you. And if there is one thing that, you know, uh, each and every one of, of us can do differently to become that future, better future, uh, better future version of us, what would that, what would that be? Other than reading your book and <laughs> yes, having, get having dirty goals. Dirty goals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, really. I think the other thing that has been really transformational in my life has been learning to be kind all the time. You treat yourself the way you treat other people. And if you just start to be kind and do things to make people smile, you make yourself smile and you go to bed smiling and you wake up happy. It is so important. And we just don't realize the value of being kind. And honestly, being kind people then want to be around you and you find that you get a lot more opportunities and mm -hmm. you find out a lot more information because people want to talk to you. So go out, be kind, do anything kind for somebody. You can make people smile every day and your life will be so much better. And when someone is not kind to you, what's a kind way to respond to that too? <laughs> well, I, I tend to either walk away and never, I try not to ever say anything bad. If somebody says something bad to me, I just walk away or I, I apologize, which you probably shouldn't do. I, you probably shouldn't be, you know, you don't want to be a sorry person. Right. But I do tend to apologize because I know that there are two sides to every and two perspectives to every story. So I try to be cognizant of that and make sure that people know that my intentions are always good. Fantastic. Hey, it's been super liberating uh, hearing from you. I know it's very late uh, where, where you're based. And thank you so much for sharing all your thoughts uh, on, you know, setting up dirty goals and personal goals and how just by doing this simple ad, it can uh, transcend life and bring fulfillment and happiness. Thank you so much for taking time. I'll also include a link uh, for our listeners if they're interested in buying a copy of your book. And where can people find you? They can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Alin Mitling. Fantastic. Thank you so much again. And thank you for coming to our show. Thank you. Bye, Aaron. See ya.